The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. You're really going to like this edition as we're going to have some old friends on here. And we're also going to have a guy who was an absolute star when he was a player. Luis Gonzalez is going to join us talking about playing in a game seven, the five-time all-star and the world series champion back in 2001 with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Of course, still very, very close with our own skipper, Bob Melvin, also close with our skipper. Chip Hale joined us after the world series to talk about what a run it was for the Washington nationals. We're so happy for him and Kurt Suzuki and Sean Doolittle and Fernando Rodney, XAs. Then we'll talk to Ray Fossey about playing in the World Series and his time and about what's been going on in baseball. And then Richard Justice from MLB.com. We'll talk baseball, and we'll also talk about the issues that still face the Houston Astros after this World Series, and is there going to be punishment coming down on them for the way they handled that incident between their assistant GM, the writers, and just insensitive to domestic violence? So Richard Justice will join us. But first, Luis Gonzalez, what a player. 354 career home runs, 1,439 RBIs, played for the Astros, the Cubs, the Tigers, the D-backs, the Dodgers, and the Marlins, World Series champion, Silver Silver Slugger Award winner, and his number is retired in Arizona, number 20. And the biggest hit, one of the biggest hits in the history of the World Series off Mariano Rivera, the game winner, the walk-off. Here is Luis Gonzalez. You want to talk about one of the premier outfielders of his time? This guy was as good as anybody. A five-time All-Star, a World Series champion, and a guy that doing the Bob Melvin show each week here on A's Cast Live. Luis Gonzalez, I don't know if you know this, but you from time to time get brought up on the Bob Melvin show. Well, I tell you, he was one of my favorite uh, managers and coaches uh, during my time here with the Diamondbacks. So he uh, he always seems to find to bring out the best in every player, and you've seen that in in recent years of him managing over with the Oakland A's, how he continues to go out there and uh, produce and get you know good players out there on the field. You know, you played in a good World Series when people years later still reference it. You know, because we've been talking about Garrett Cole's going to be coming out of the bullpen, which didn't happen. And and we always think about Randy Johnson, what he did against the New York Yankees in game six and game seven. I mean, when you think back, that World Series was so amazing. Does this still give you goosebumps? Because people are still talking about it. It does. I mean, it was a great World Series. Uh, You know, the only clunker game was game six where we actually uh, blew them out. Uh, to, to force it to game seven, but other than that, every game was, you know, the the, the three games in uh, in New York City, games three, four, and five, which were the walk offs and you know the big home runs there late by the uh, Yankees and things like that. But I mean, you had a lot of big name players in it. The pitching staffs with with Pettit and Clemens and Musina on one side, and then you had Schilling and Johnson on the other side. So 
and then you had veteran guys on both ball clubs uh, as position players. So it just uh, and and nine eleven after the year two thousand one. So it just it it just uh, magnified everything going into that World Series. Yeah, two veteran ball clubs, just like we saw in this World Series, and, and it just goes to show that if you have you know, we're so into bullpens now in baseball, but the reality is when you want to close things out, like we saw what Corbin did, we saw yesterday Madison Bumgarner, of course, and I think back for the Yankees. Imagine if you're a Yankee in 01 and you get Randy Johnson, shoves it down your throat in game six, and then here he comes coming out of the bullpen again in game seven. You got to be like, come on, this isn't fair. Yeah, and, and you know, Players realize that you don't you don't know how many times you're going to get an opportunity to get into that situation to play in a World Series. There's been many great players that have played for you know long amounts of time in their career and never even get an opportunity to get to the postseason. So um, when you have that opportunity, you try to make the most of it. And I think um, you know every every pitcher goes into the manager's office that day and says they're available. I, I know for. Uh, for certain that Randy Johnson was that guy that went in to tell Bob Brenly and, and, and Bob Melvin that, uh, hey, I'm available for game seven if it gets down to it. And sure enough, we ended up using him in that game. Well, and you think about how you can ride starting pitching. Once again, 42% of all innings this year were pitched by the bullpen. That's an all-time high. But yet, why were these two teams in the World Series? They're in the World Series because their major strength was their starting pitching. That was exactly what you guys had in 2001. Yeah, and, and I, the trend has gone so opposite now with bullpen guys. I'm, you know, I have a son that plays in the minor leagues, and I and I still work for the Diamondbacks, so I go out and see a lot of our minor league games. And um, you don't see a lot of starters going deep in the games. They're usually like 60, 70 pitches, and they're looking over their shoulder if they get in trouble for the bullpens coming in. I think we've protected these guys so much that uh, they just don't even care about going deeper in the games. Now, you go back into the day and you try to take a ball away from uh, Dave Stewart or uh, Oral Hershiser or Randy Johnson or one of those guys, they're going to fight you on that mound to try to get the ball away from them because it was their game and they wanted to, they wanted to finish what they started. And you don't, you don't see that too often anymore. It's funny you say that because yesterday we had the Hall of Famer on Raleigh Fingers, and he talked about how starters back in the day would get extra bonuses for complete games. And he said, literally, Catfish Hunter would fight you on the mound not to come out of a game because if he came out of the game, you were taking money out of his pocket. Yeah, and, and it, it doesn't surprise me to hear that because when I first came up, uh, it was still that old-school mentality. And as a young player, I would see the starter out there um, you know, arguing with the manager or one of the pitching coaches about he's not coming out of this game. It's his game. It was too close a game. He didn't want to turn it over to the bullpen. Not that he didn't trust him, but it was, you know, you were playing with his money as far as, uh, you know, if he was his free agent year contract-wise, and he wanted to have everything on his side and his court that he could go out there and control himself. He didn't want to give it to somebody else. And I think about this World Series, and I don't know if you have an answer. I don't know if anybody has an answer, but this is the first time in the history of best of seven, just not in baseball, hockey, NBA, we have never seen in a best of seven, and this was the 115th World Series. Now, obviously, they didn't, they didn't play seven back in the day, but uh, I think about it. Every The road team won 
every single game. What do you make of that? Yeah, that was crazy. I think, uh, you know, I actually think the Minute Maid ballpark played better for the Washington Nationals, the way their team was uh, formulated, that it just kind of, that dimension of ballpark and everything, they had some left-handed hitters that can go the other way. You see Soto hit a ball out to to left field there uh, earlier in the series that if they're playing at their home park, that, that might have been an out. And, you know, just just the way their team was, was built up, with their strong starting pitching and stuff, it just worked out so well for them. And uh, you know, unfortunately for Houston, uh, they couldn't get they couldn't uh, win any games at home to to try to close it out. Now, for you guys, you love being at home in the postseason. Yeah, it was uh, totally opposite in our series against the Yankees in 2001. We won the first two at home, then we went to New York. They won the next three, and then we ended up taking the last two at home. So. Yeah, it was one of those where home field advantage really worked out for us in this series that we just had this year with the Nationals and the Astros. Uh, it proved to be opposite. So you still work for the Arizona Diamondbacks. We'll get into that. We know your son's with the San Francisco Giants organization. Just how cool is it to see your son following the same dream, the same dream you had as a, as a young guy? It's exciting. I mean, he signed out of high school. He's a uh, He's a big kid, about 6'4", 220, um, and now he's starting to move around a little bit. He started out at third base. He's playing some first and some outfield a little. So um, I think you're, you're finding a lot more young players as they're coming up. They're being a little more versatile to play different positions, uh, especially if you're on the left side of the infield. I keep telling them you got to learn how to play second, short, because of the shifts and different things that are going on. You know, these position players, they're all over the field now when uh, different hitters come up. So, But it's a lot of fun. It's still nerve-wracking for me because I'm kind of like going through uh, my second uh, life of of watching. Uh, you feel like you're still part of it, you know, watching your kid play out there, and you still get nervous for him and things like that. But uh, he's a good kid, and he works hard. I got to tell you, that's very good advice because what we are seeing in baseball and even if they expand the rosters to 26, it's going to be another bullpen arm. And, you know, that's one thing that Bob Melvin has is he has a couple guys, not a lot of them, but he's got a couple guys that are very versatile. So you don't have a big bench when you have that big of a bullpen. So you need players that can play all around the diamond. You need them to be able to play infield. You need them to be able to play outfield. It's amazing that the versatility you need if you're going to be successful in the game today on your bench. Yeah, and you're finding a lot more of those bench guys. Um, you know, they're younger and younger, but not only that, but if if they can play multiple positions, they end up playing just as much as they do as the everyday guy does because of the simple fact that they can uh, give a different player a breather out there on the field. If, uh, you know, if a guy like Bob Melvin sees one of his guys struggling a little bit, he can give him a day off and run a guy out there that he doesn't have any hesitation because he knows that he can handle that position fine without – um, you know, you know, being being uh, a minus for his for his team out there on the field. You know, let's talk about your time with the Diamondbacks because I got to think. I mean, your career numbers. If every if anybody forgot, lifetime two eighty three, two thousand five hundred ninety one hits. You drove in one thousand four hundred thirty nine and hit three hundred fifty four bombs. I hope that when you walk in, whether it's spring training or you're working, these guys remember what kind of player you were. <laughs> well, this this day and age, this generation is a little bit different. So I just kind of, uh, yeah, I kind of keep to myself a little bit. I don't 
kind of indulge in, uh, you know, getting into guys' businesses and stuff like that. But if they ask for, you know, uh, advice or, or, you know, some type of help, I try to get them as much as I can out there and just try to look for different things that's going on. But, um, you know, the game's changed. I'm hoping that it revolves back to the way it used to be where guys are more in tune into putting the ball in play and making things happen. There's way too many strikeouts. Um the the all or nothing has really taken over the game where guys are swinging for the fences and everybody talks about launch angle and different things like that i don't you know maybe we were doing it when we were playing but we never really called it launch angle there was just guys that just tried to get a little lift in their swing a little elevation to try to get the ball up in the air but i mean now you're seeing guys you know in high school and stuff like that with a straight uppercut swing and it's I still find that hard to catch up to a high fastball when guys are throwing in the mid to upper 90s like just about everybody's doing now to try to, to get under a, a, a pitch to try to elevate it up in the air when they're throwing up in the strike zone. Yeah, I, I'm with you, and, and hopefully, you know, they always say professional sports, it's a copycat league. I mean, let's face it, the Houston Astros, their pitchers struck out the most, the most batters, and their hit, hitters struck out the fewest times. I mean, there's a reason why the Astros are so good is they put the ball in play, they make hard contact, and they don't strike out. Yeah, and you saw it in postseason this year. There wasn't uh, very few games where with manufactured runs of, like, bunting and getting a guy over, and, you know, there was a lot of home runs being hit. That's how a lot of teams scored their runs. Uh, you know, you get quick runs when you do that, but at the same time, you put a lot of pressure on the defense when you're able to, you know, get one or two guys on and, you know, try to shoot the ball the other way or hit and run and things like that. You don't see that too often anymore. Hey, we really appreciate the time after Game 7 of the World Series. Of course, we had a lot of respect for you and your career and what you did in Major League Baseball. Continued success with what you're doing. I know you got businesses down there in Arizona, and then obviously with your son in San Francisco for the Giants. And then uh, we'll tell Bob Melvin you said hello. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Such a good guy and such a good player. It was great to hear from Luis Gonzalez. And how about our old friend Chip Hale? You know, Chip is is Bay Area guy, and for everybody around the A's, you absolutely love him. His stint here multiple times under Bob Melvin, and really one of the guys you're rooting for as, as he's the bench coach for the Washington Nationals. They got their victory, and before they had their crazy parade on Saturday, we caught up with Chip Hale on Friday in our nation's capital. Well, it is an absolute honor to have him back on the program. We're so proud of what the Washington Nationals did because we all know about the former athletics who are a part of that and a big part of that. Chip Hale is with us once again. Chip, I can't say it enough from my heart. Congratulations. We're so happy for you guys. You're getting a ring, and you guys are the world champs. Well, thanks, Chris. It's uh, It was a wonderful ride and, and with, a, with a great group of guys. And, and like you said, we had, we had a, couple, <laughs> a couple of us, a few of us, I guess you should say, uh, XAs. So, uh, you know, obviously, we learned a lot there. And the toughness you get by playing in Oakland and, and, uh, that, and obviously the history we had against the Astros, I think, helped a little bit. You know, I, I think about the whole lead-up to that Game 7. Just a wild ride where the road team wins every single game. When that final out is finally finally collected and you're running out there with those guys and hugging those guys, what was that moment like for you? Take us through that. 
Well, it's just surreal. I think from, you know, if you know where we started, you know, with, with the 19 and 31, that's, that's, you know, obviously been publicized a lot um, to get, you know, I would tell my wife flying back, uh, looking down at the kind of the, the real beautiful countryside in Virginia where we fly into Dulles. I remember flying, taking that flight from L.A. after we really were struggling and, and really thinking that this was probably our, la- our as a coaching staff, our last flight together. Um, to be now a World Series champ. So when you're running out there, obviously when you first hug kind of in the dugout with all the coaches and then to, to hug those players and then basically just thank them. I mean, you know, we, we, we do everything we can to prepare them and, and make them ready and knowledgeable and, and anything we can do to help them. But they're the ones going out there and playing. I mean, I mean, how many big hits does Howie Kendrick and Juan Soto and Anthony Rendon get for us? And guys like, Patrick Corbin coming out of the bullpen as a starter and throwing three innings in game seven. I mean, we just thank him. I mean, it was, it was an unbelievable ride and the exhaustion kind of hits you at that point because you're so anxiety ridden for, for so long, you know, with the days off in between the, the trips and it's tough. It's not, it's, it's not an easy go, but um, obviously the payoff has been beautiful. And I think about your guys' club, and one of the things that I love is that in our game right now, everybody wants to go young. It's about young players. You're a veteran group, and so really are the Houston Astros. Just how happy were you for all these guys that have been in this game for a long time? They finally get their World Series ring. No doubt about it. I think it, it was epitomized. I watched um, Kurt Suzuki. We were walking out. I was walking with my wife, walking out of the stadium, and I looked into the um, – interview room and, and Kurt was there with his kids on his lap and his comment was I've been waiting 13 years for this and that was the beauty of it for all those veterans Cabrera and, and Para, uh, Zim of course being Mr. Nat uh, it was a beautiful thing so I, I think there's something to that Chris I think that it's great to have young talent and we have it and we have it in the organization everybody has it but those older guys are so knowledgeable about the game and can make adjustments. And, and just guys like Brian Dozier, who didn't get a whole lot of playing time, he was on point on tipping, you know, because the, 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 the Astros are so good at, at picking up pitches from, from pitchers and that they're tipping anything. He was watching watching video constantly to make sure Max and, and Steven and these guys weren't tipping their pitches as much as they had in the past. So it, it's something that you don't find much in young players. Yeah, I, I think about Max Scherzer and what he gave you guys in Game 7 where two days before he couldn't lift his elbow over his shoulder, his wife had to help him get out of bed and put clothes on. Just how, how amazed were you what he was able to give you in Game 7? Yeah, it was funny, Chris, because that day for Game 5, um, obviously it was going to be Cole versus Scherzer, and we were all excited. And we had known there were some issues kind of lingering and uh, we were told to get to the ballpark early because the president was going to be at the game and Circuit Service was doing all the checking. So I had, you know, just come early, driven in from our place in Alexandria, Virginia. So I came in and I was sitting there doing some lineup stuff. And I looked to my right and I see this guy coming through the clubhouse. And it literally looked like a person who, a football player who had just gotten into a, a, a helmet-to-helmet collision. I mean, he's, his head was cocked one way, and, I, and so I followed him in the training room, and they basically caped him to a board. And um, I knew right then, I, you know, we all, the trainers and the doctors called uh, Davey, and we just basically, there was no way he was going to. He tried everything he could. They, they gave him the shots, and it, nothing worked. So 
Uh, I, I really tip my cap. I tip my cap to our players because we all looked at it and said, okay, you know, we'll give Joe Ross a shot. And then we know we got our best going six and our other best, hopefully going game seven if this works. And we knew with Max, if there was any chance he could pitch, he was going to pitch. Yeah. I mean, no one's going to doubt that guy's toughness. And then I think about game seven where now we're in an era where managers panic. As soon as guys get on base, next thing you know, the bullpen's going, guys aren't going deep. How much credit do you give Davey Martinez? Your bullpen wasn't going. He was like, Max Scherzer, that's my guy, and I'm sticking with him. And he was he allowed Max to give you those quality innings. Yeah, we, you know, Max gave us five, gave up two, and there was a ton of traffic. Uh, there were stressful innings, and there's certain signs with Max that he's had since this injury uh, bug has kind of hit him midway through the year. It's kind of a upper lat neck issue. So when he starts to pull the ball, we know that thing's acting up, and he was missing away a lot. And he just kept sucking it up and, and leaving those guys on base. I mean, I think he had nine or ten guys left on in those five innings. And so we knew at 100 pitches he was done. And he came in, he goes, I can give you one more. Uh, you can pull me, whatever you want. And uh, Davey goes, that's enough. You know, you gave us everything you could. And, and like I said, Patrick Corbin was so big for us to give us those three innings leading up to the night. So, um, yeah, Max, is, <laughs> he's, he's as tough as they come. And then I think about Steven Strasburg, you know, coming out of San Diego State, the number one pick. You know, everybody marveled at his fastball. But, boy, has he grown to be more than just a flamethrower. He is now a great pitcher. He's the MVP of the World Series. Uh, Watching him grow this year, what was that like from the bench, knowing that he truly is a great pitcher now? Right. It was incredible. I I mean, last year we – Obviously, he's talented, like you said. But he started to learn how to pitch a little more as the season went on last year. And this year was just a complete turnaround. This guy was on the bench when other guys were pitching constantly, you know, talking to Davey, talking to uh, our pitching coaches, and just, just like, hey, you know, we need to pitch in more or for other guys, which was incredible to see him, you know, put the, you know, that information for the, some of these younger guys and look at video with them um, and go over stuff. He just really became – um, really into the team and, and, and became, you know, the ultimate guy that, that could lead a staff like Max. So if you have two leaders like that, it was really incredible thing to watch. So I think about how great DC is. I think about how historic it is to have a parade for winning a world championship. And then I think about you guys are having it on Saturday. You're having it tomorrow. That's going to be absolutely wild. Yeah, we hope. I mean, I know that the Capitals had theirs. Um, after their championship, and it was it was a blast. So um, our guys are really looking forward to it. I mean, you know, it's how long the season is. It's uh, obviously what people don't know is a lot of our players, you know, obviously we rent places here. <laughs> so we're either in hotels or we're, we're paying extra for another couple of days or, you know, a week of, of rent. So uh, no one was going to miss this thing. It, was, it wasn't like people came home, got their stuff, and left. They're excited about this um, and, you know, the, these are things that it, the people here in D.C., I think that 42 or 43,000 at the stadium watching the game in, in Houston. I, you know, we wished, trust me, we wished we could have won um, a couple games at home and, and finished it off at home. But like you said, it was a strange series and how the Byzantine teams just seemed to, to have the uh, momentum all the time. Yeah, I mean, when you just look at the numbers, how you outscored them in Houston and how they outscored you in your ballpark – uh, Chip, this has never happened before. We've never seen it in hockey. We've never seen it in the NBA. Uh, we've never seen it in Major League Baseball where the road team wins every game of a seven-game series. I mean, when you're plotting this all together, I mean, 
that had to be pretty frustrating, right? It was. It was. I know for them it was obviously the four at their place, but the three here were really frustrating, especially because most of us had flown all of our families out to D.C. and had one of this great experience, and we just could never get off the, sh- the snot. I mean, it was like, it, it, you know, they would get ahead a little bit. We'd have a chance. It was almost the same deal. Like We would leave guys on, leave guys on, they'd do the same thing over in Houston. So funky, funky series that way. You know, one of the things I, I was talking to the other coaches about, when you're the home team in these things, the MLB sets all the times. So you basically get done with your batting practice two hours before the game starts. So you sit around, and like I said, the anxiety starts to creep in, and you just don't know what to do. You're used to about an hour, maybe an hour and ten minutes before you go back out in the field. So maybe that has something to do with it. Being the visiting team, you, were, you, you hit, you got changed, got something to eat, and went out and played. I'm glad you said that because we've been trying to figure out why this happened, and that kind of makes sense. I mean, they kind of – so basically you take BP and then you get put on ice for a couple hours. Right, exactly, especially, um, you know, when they have all the announcements. It's even longer. So um, maybe there's something to that. I doubt it because I, I don't think that's changed much over the years. Um, there's so much There's so much media out there. It's unbelievable, Chris. I mean, it's <laughs> – it's it's those are one of the things at home. I think you get hit by it even more. So from the time the final out to where you are now, how many text messages have you received from friends and family? <laughs> it was in the two hundred. It was in the two hundred. You know, obviously when we got into the playoffs, I got a bunch. When we beat the Dodgers, it was a, it was it was a pretty big deal. But this one um, was way up there, and it took a while to answer him. I'll tell you that. Well, congratulations. You know we were all rooting for you guys, how much Kurt Suzuki means to us, Sean Sean Doolittle, yourself. And we even got to know Fernando Rodney for a little bit this year. Just soak it all in. You've been in this game for a long time. You're one of the best, and we we, we know how much Bob Melvin feels about you. Uh, Truly enjoy this championship because you guys earned it. It was special, and we'll talk to you soon in the offseason. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. So cool. All those XAs, they're going to be getting a ring, and they won a World Series. So happy for them. And well, you know this offseason, we're going to have our guy Ray Fossey on. And Ray Fossey knows what it's like to win a World Series, to prepare for a Game prepare for a game 7. Here is our guy, the two-time All-Star, the two-time World Series champion, two-time Gold Glove winner. We call him the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey. He's a two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, Two-time gold glove winner, the face of the franchise, the great Ray Fossey joins us here on A's Cast Live. Foss, what'd you think of game seven? I loved it, Tony. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. You know, we had your uh we had your teammate on, Raleigh Fingers, yesterday, and we were talking yeah. about how that World Series you guys only used five pitchers. I mean <laughs> that's right. I mean Raleigh would you know, talking with Raleigh just about, you know, being a reliever and being a guy who could come in and he could get X amount of innings, you know, it's always a treat catching up with these guys, your teammates, guys that you won World Series with. Tommy, it was a, it was a privilege, and, and I'll be honest with you, in watching last night's game, uh, it, I had a chance to really think back to the 70s and be a part of world championships, too, for me. I mean, as you, you continue to say, I mean, it was a pleasure to be on the team that not only won as he did in 72, but be acquired and win it in 73 and 74. I mean, it's something that we all play for. I mean, every player plays for that. And the one thing I saw last night, Tommy, that really, really I thought was outstanding, and everybody in this country 
and world who loves baseball should have noticed one guy, Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer makes a ton of money. He won a world championship to see the excitement, to see the tears, to see the way he reacted, the fact that he came back when he couldn't even get out of bed to pitch back in Washington and took the shots, you know, and came back. He could have said, hey, I'm done. Can't do it. You know, I'm not going to pitch. But he wanted a world championship. And I think Kurt Suzuki said it best. And again, congratulations to he and Sean Doolittle and uh, Chip Hale, the bench coach. And how about Fernando Rodney? You know, was let go by the A's and he's on that world championship team. But I think Suzuki said it best. We knew he was going to come back. It was just a thing that we felt no matter Max Scherz is going to take the ball. It's unfortunate Suzuki could not catch him. But I think that just epitomized everything about baseball is the fact that the, the amount of money that the Washington Nationals pay for those pitchers, and it became a pitcher's game, and, and Strasburg won in the MVP and what Scherzer did, and Annabelle Sanchez, and, and Corbin coming out of the bullpen, pitching so well after signing a huge contract after last year. But they did it the right way, and, and they continue to play. And we, I'm sure they're thankful that the wild cards are in existence right now in baseball because if you think about where the Nationals were, what, 19 and 31, and all of a sudden they get to postseason, and I've always said it, Tony, if you get hot, if you have good pitching, and you play solid defense, you're going to win a world championship, and the Nationals did that last night with Game 7. Yeah, I, I like how both these clubs were veteran-type clubs. I like how both of them were built on starting pitching. And and, yeah. and 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 what we're starting to see a trend, Foss, is is not only is it your starter, but it's bringing starters out of the bullpen instead of just going all yeah. these different bullpen guys. These that we've seen it now for a while in these World Series where you're, you're you're the guys truly with the best stuff, and and these guys can get through like Corbin came in and and gave you yeah. innings. It's a big key now with these days off. You can have certain starters come in relief after your starting pitchers. And even with Garrett Cole in the bullpen for the Astros last night, he did not come in the game, which I'm sure A.J. Hinch had to answer questions about that. But, you know, he brought Harris in, and as it turned out, he faced the wrong hitter in Howard Kendrick because Kendrick is that type of a hitter. I'm not surprised. I may be surprised that the ball stayed fair and hit the foul pole, but Howie Kendrick very rarely, if ever, pulls the ball unless it's a hanging breaking ball that he's out in front of. So he goes middle of the field to right field, as he did with the Grand Slam in Los Angeles, the right center. He got a big hit up the middle in, I think, the uh, league championship. And, of course, he did it again in the World Series last night, hitting the foul pole in right field. But, you know, you, you look at what Corbin did, and you look at how the Astros played the game with the uh, the Nationals doing what they did. If it were me, Tommy, the, the one thing you talk about pitchers, the starters coming out of the bullpen, how about Zach Greinke? He makes a bad pitch to Rendon. He walks a batter. He's out of the game. He was, I mean, how could you look at that situation and say he's done and you're going to go to the bullpen? I I think sometimes managers overreact to the point of pulling a starter who was having success to go to the bullpen, not knowing, and in the case of Harris, they admitted he was on fumes. Well, why not bring in Osuna to try to get the big out and and retain the lead? So little things happen, but what A.J. Hintz did in 2017, Gordon Lakey, longtime scout for the Phillies who retired, said, what A.J. did in 17, he, he made adjustments, and he brought the starters out of the bullpen because Giles, his closer, was not doing the job. Some things tried to do, uh, they tried to do it again in this World Series, and unfortunately didn't work. But how rare is it? Have you ever, well, it's never been done before. Not one team's home field advantage worked out. Isn't that amazing? That all seven games were won by the visiting team. 
It's incredible yeah. to think about the World Series. Yeah, let's get to that in a moment. I want to go back to your point about Grinky coming out early. Yeah. I want to applaud Dave Martinez for sticking yeah. with Scherzer. So Scherzer's working Absolutely. out of trouble. You know, normally, oh, my God, there's guys on. Get the bullpen up. Martinez sat there yeah. and went, that's my guy. I'm riding my yeah. guy. Whether we win or lose, he's my guy. And it was a smart move. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And, and watching that game and how many times you could see the bulldog mentality in Matt Scherzer. I saw it in Detroit. And, you know, I think John Smoltz said it last night or somebody said it that everybody couldn't believe he turned out $160 million with the Detroit Tigers. And I remember that happening. He signed with the, uh, the Nationals for the 210. But he's deserved every penny because if you win three Cy Young Awards, now he has a world championship. And just to see his reaction, the fact that when you get, you get runners on base with Max Scherzer, I think of Felix Hernandez, uh, Felix, uh, Hernandez whenever he got in trouble, King Felix was at his best because – that's when the maximum came out. We saw it in Max Scherzer last night. And I agree with you what Dave Martinez did. Just sat there and said, he's my guy. I'm going to let him get out of the jam. He brings Corbin in, one of his starters, gives him three solid innings. And then he brings in Hudson. And how appropriate was that, County? that here's Hudson, who had the birth of his child. He leaves, and everybody's up in arms. How could you do that? And he closes out the world championship for the, for the Nationals in a perfect ninth inning. It's great. I mean, it was just a... And, I, and I, I think from the standpoint of watching the Nationals and the underdogs, just see those numbers with Rendon in uh, elimination games, how well he performs. It's just unbelievable. And, and so you got Garrett Cole, who's a free agent pitcher. You have Rendon, who's a free agent position player. These guys are going to take him to the bank. But I like the enthusiasm of the Nationals. I liked it after the home run was hit by Rendon. Do you see the, the reaction of the dugout? They're still down in seventh game of the World Series. And they're dancing and doing that, riding the bus. I mean, it was fun to watch, you know. And then all of a sudden they take the lead and they win the game. So, I mean, it was it was a great series. Uh, both teams, if they had won, if the Astros had won, you've been saying the same thing about them. But I couldn't be happy for the Nationals, especially since some of the guys that uh, we had with the A's with the ball club. What was your dance when you hit that home run off the Dodgers in the World <laughs> Series? Hey, listen, when we hit home runs in my era, and I know people don't like to think back, but you ran the bases, put your head down, and that was it, man. You know, give, give a little handshake, get back to the dugout. Because that happened in 74 against Don Sutton. I've said it before, in 87, when I was broadcasting, we had an old-timers game in Oakland, and Don Sutton was pitching for the Athletics. He goes into the visiting dugout in the A's uniform. I came up to hit. He came, comes out to pitch, and he throws one over my head. I go, what was that? He says, that's for the home run you hit in 1974. I said, Get over it. Thirteen years later, what are you, what are you talking about? But uh, no, we we did not do things that they're doing now. And granted, they want to play the game to have fun. But I will say, Tommy, what Bre- Bregman did in carrying the bat to first base after hitting a home run, which put the Astros up, that to me went a little bit too far. And with Soto hit his to put them up, I think that was more of a mockery of what Bregman did. And Bregman's been around too long. I mean, not that long, but he's been around long enough to know that you don't do that because you do not want to incite the other team because, you know, everybody knows what you just did. And, and all it takes is that if, if that's going to do something to win it in the ninth inning, it's a walk-off, it's one thing, but that's early in the game. There's a lot of baseball remaining. And as it turned out, he had to apologize or did apologize after the game, as did Garrett Cole after he put that uh, infamous hat on last night. Uh, 
that uh, talking about his agent. But that's another story. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that too. But I, I, <laughs> I, the disparity for the road team versus the home team. So yeah. in D.C., the Astros outscored the Nationals nineteen to three. In Houston, in in Houston, the Nationals outscored the Astros thirty to eleven. How do we make sense of that? I don't, and especially, Tony, since the Astros had that 60-21 and 21 record at home, which leads you to believe what was going on in the regular season that maybe did not occur in postseason. I, I'm not going to speculate or, or insinuate that something did happen, but the one thing I did notice, that with the National Scherzer last night, and I saw various pitchers with nobody on second base, there were multiple signs being used by the catcher because there were you, when you see a pitcher take longer, to get a sign that he's happy with, that means the catcher is going through multiple signs. He's not giving one fastball, two a curve, three a side of four change, or wiggle a change, or, or split if he throws one. So that to me showed that all of a sudden the pitcher-catcher relationship with nobody on base turned out to be like there's a runner at second base. And, and we all know that a runner at second base, if you don't change your signs, he can relay what the pitch is or location to the hitter. The hitter becomes a much better hitter. So – I don't know what happened, but when you have that, your 41 games over 500 at home and then you get to postseason and you cannot win one game in a four-game World Series, so much for home field advantage because you look at what's happened the last five or six years. The teams that have gone into the home field advantage team and have won to eliminate or at least win the World Championship says a lot about that whole scenario. I, I'm flabbergasted because for the Nationals to score – one run in each of the three games in Washington and come back to Houston and, and win the way they did in game six and seven in Townie. It reminded me of 1973, my World Series, first time. We left New York after losing to the Mets. We came back to Oakland down three games to two, and I'll never forget getting off the airplane. Everybody said, oh, what's going to happen? I said, we'll win. We're going to win the World Series because we knew that the fans in Oakland were going to cheer us. We knew we had the pitchers. We had the position players. We had the offense to score just enough runs for those pitchers, and we have this October of Reggie Jackson, who came through as did Tampa, and we won the World Series by win, beating the Mets the two games in Game 6 and 7. So those similarities, but I'm surprised that the Astros were not able to win at least one of those two games. But, again, it says a lot about the Nationals and how successful they had throughout the season, especially after being 19-31. and 31. And Dave Martinez, just like the eighth skipper Bob Melvin, runs the ball club, and that's why the Nationals were successful, and that's why the A's are going to be successful and continue to be under Bob Melvin. And I just think about where we are in modern-day sports and how well road teams do. You know, in, yeah. in this best-of-seven, you know, this last game, home teams are under 500, and you see teams in hockey struggle at home. Yeah. You see teams in basketball – what happened to home field? We used to like, oh, you got to get home field advantage. What happened? That's to, right. Why is the modern day athlete on the road not as affected like they were years ago? The one thing that I saw in the the wild card game, and I'll be honest with you, I was I was happy because I wanted to see the crowd at the Coliseum, which we saw in excess, uh, excess of fifty thousand people for that wild card game. But if you think about it, if you're a road team, you get to hit first, and if you can score a run you can shut the fans down quickly. And I think in the A's case, whenever they gave up the home run, the first batter that Manai gave up the home run, the A's had a chance to really blow it open the bottom of the first. Morton got out of the jam, game over, I think, at that point. So I think to the point of 
playing on the road, if you can score early, if you can score in that first inning before the home team even gets the hit, you're sending, sending a message to that team and the fans that we're here to play. And I think it relaxes players and teams when they are playing on the road. And, you know, the one, the, the one thing about last night and, and hearing the crowd in Houston, the one thing that you do as players, you never hear what is going on. And you could see on the faces of those players with the crowd screaming and yelling, it's like they had earmuffs on. It's like they had something in their ears they could not hear what was happening in the stands. And I think that's what sets the players aside because home field advantage, while it's great, the fans are there, but it's almost like blinders and tunnel vision and, and earplugs if you're a player. And I remember that as a player in 73 when we went game seven to the Mets. The fans were there and cheering. I didn't hear them. It was like I was playing in spring training with nobody in the stands. It, it was an amazing feeling. So that is the feeling the players have because it's business. You, you think about, yes, the fans are here to support us. Let's hear the reaction fans after we win. That's what we did in 73. That's what the Nationals did with their core of fans that came to Houston last night to celebrate with them. You know, I think about the odds have come out, and the odds, the the favorite <laughs> next year is the Houston Astros, and you got to go all the way down to 30-1 to 1 for the A's. And I have no problem with the A's being underdogs again, but 30-1 to 1 just makes me think that, they don't really got a feel for the type of pitching the A's are going to have this year matching their offense. Yeah. You know, I agree 100%. And I, and I will say these predictions are based on maybe something that happened this year. And the experts, I was just looking at uh, someone predicted exactly the way the whole postseason turned out uh, with, with both teams in the American National League winning all the way down to the Astros and the Nationals, Nationals winning World Series. But look at the Nationals as tremendous underdogs going to the World Series. And, and all of a sudden, the Astros are the, uh, the Nationals win. Tony, I don't believe in the odds makers. I don't believe in a lot of things when it comes to that because I believe that what the players can do, and I think once those so-called odds makers start looking at the pitchers that the A's have and the fact that they just picked up the option for Jasmero Petit is outstanding. Talk about a workhorse. So the A's will retain him for his option year. But I think from the young starting pitchers, and you combine the offense, like you said, and the defense behind them, the A's could possibly have three gold glove winners on the infield. Rawlings may be giving them out to, to three with Chapman, Simeon, and Olsen. And how about Robbie Grossman in there as well? So the defense is there, the pitch is going to be there, and the offense is going to continue to get better and better. And I agree with you, 30-1, to 1, I'll take those odds going as underdogs because I think it's going to be a much better season for the athletics than a lot of those prognosticators think especially the odds makers in, in Vegas, whomever, are making those predictions. Foss, you are the best. What, what, what does Ray Fossey do in the offseason? Well, I'm getting ready to go to our daughter's house for Halloween. And, nice. Uh, I'm down in Arizona. And uh, so we had uh, this morning, we had All Saints Day at Madeline's uh, school. And so she was married and then went to Abigail's school and a little parade for the uh, – she'll be two in, in December – and then Halloween tonight, and it, it, it's a tremendous time of the year to be with the kids, the grandkids, and just enjoy life. And the main thing, Tally, I've got two, I got two suitcases I'm looking at right now full of information ready to go through and get ready for 2020 because I know it's going to be a great year. And what you do on A's Cast and what you do for the athletics is tremendous. 
I can't wait to get started again. And I'll be honest with you, the off season is great, but I can't wait for spring training to start again in 2020. Well, I've been saying this to a lot of people. This is going to be a quick off season with the expectations yeah. that we have for this ball club. And Foss, I do not want to hear about wild card games. I do not want to no, hear about no. the division. The goal has to be the World Series because you not you, you can't accomplish a goal unless you believe you can do it. Absolutely, and Yasmero Petit said it immediately after the unfortunate loss to the Rays in the wild card game. He said, "Enough, enough," because he's been there twice in New York and now in Oakland. He said, "Enough of that." He said. Let's get the division, have a chance with the five games. But, but I, I think the great thing about it, and, and the one negative about the Western division that I see is the Los Angeles Angels because of Joe Madden. Because the one thing that he was hired, and he said we're going to incorporate the analytics and old school baseball. We're going to hit and run. We're going to bunt. And there is how you win ball games. And I think Bob Melvin, I think we're going to see kind of a baseball turnaround a little bit to where you get back to that. How about Torino's last night trying to bunt? How many times do you think he bunted during the season and he popped the ball up and first and second, nobody out? See, if you don't work on those things during the season and then you get into crunch time when you know pitching is great, you better be able to do what you're asked to do. In this case, lay down a perfect bunt. Pitchers work on it. I think position players have to work on it as well because I think that everybody one through nine should be able to bunt because you never know when that situation comes up. So instead of hitting or trying to bunt and popping it up or hitting a ground ball as a double play, and taking a first and second, nobody out, turning it to a runner at third and two outs, you know, to me, you can win ball games by being able to be successful in the little things of the game of baseball. Everybody learning to bunt, huh? Good luck on that one, Foss. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but did you see? Hey, listen, but the haze on that workout on the Tuesday in Oakland, it's the Coliseum. They had their workout. At the end of the workout, they were all practicing bunting. I'm going, what is this? Because you don't see it that much. But, but you think about Seriously, Tony, you get the postseason, you're facing, we've talked about it, the best pitchers, the best teams. So the little things help you win. Granted, the home run, two home runs last night helped the, the, uh, the Nationals win. But how about with a couple of hits and a walk and a base hit up the middle? There's two runs. So little things are going to help you. You're not always going to hit home runs. I don't care what they say about baseballs and all those things. Bottom line, you're facing the best of the best. So you get the postseason, and especially the World Series. So if you do the little things, it helps you win. And I agree with you. Not everybody's going to bunt, but it's something that that perfect example last night when Torino's tried and couldn't accomplish it. That said a lot because I don't know his statistics and how many times he did attempt it, but last night was not a very good attempt. All right, Ray, we'll be calling you in probably uh, a week or two, so keep that phone on. I'm always ready for you, my friend, because you're the best. But you keep it going, too. And have a great time with your grandkids. (laughs) Definitely will, Tommy. And you have a great time with those twins. You're going trick or treating? Oh, you bet. <laughs> I'll send. I'll send. I'll, I'll, I'll send you. Uh, I'll send you a picture of my Riddler outfit. Uh, oh, I can't wait to see it. That's great. You have fun time, my friend. You're good man. Good to hear from Foss here in the off season. And now we have Richard Justice, longtime columnist for the Houston Chronicle, now works for MLB.com. You see him on the MLB Network. And we got him on uh, after the World Series, talking about the World Series, how tough it was for the Astros to lose, what a great job for the Nationals to win, and also about Brandon Taubman, the assistant general manager, very insensitive with domestic violence and the 
incident after the ALCS in the celebration in the clubhouse and the way the Astros were just awful the way they handled it. It was disgraceful. And as everybody's saying, this is some something people are going to talk about for years when you're teaching about PR in colleges. It was just an embarrassment. And is more punishment coming down? We'll get into all that right here with Richard Justice. Richard Justice from MLB.com joins us here on A's Cast Live. Richard, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I, I'm doing well, and I'm looking at these numbers from all the different sports, and it's truly amazing that we – we spend so much time during a season talking about home field advantage. And if you actually look at the numbers in the four main sports here in America, home field advantage doesn't mean what it used to. It's, it's hard. It's hard to put your finger on it. Yeah. I, th- I think in the baseball playoffs, uh, I think the home team still wins about 58% of the time. Although in the game seven of the world series, I think it's pretty much, uh, I think the, uh, the last 40, the uh, are the only 40 game sevens. I think the home uh, the road team has a two game edge. So it's right, and it does feel like that it means less. Although you know, in in the World Series, certainly every game feels like its own little universe, and it it comes down to what pitcher is going to take control and all of that. A lot of moving parts. What's the biggest storyline down there in Houston right now after they lost the World Series? Um. Fans think A.J. Hinch mismanaged the game. That's one. Two, I mean, I'm not agreeing with that, but you asked me. Two, Garrett Coleshin wore a Scott Boris cap 20 minutes after game seven. And um, I think three, and I think this is the farther you get away from game seven, I think you try to understand what a special time this is. You've had a team that's won 100 games three years in a row. And uh, – all in all, it was a it was a spectacularly successful season, except the players, the manager, the coaches, the front office, and the fans are bitterly, bitterly disappointing. They were they were eight outs away from winning their second World Series in three years and couldn't couldn't finish the deal. Yeah, it really shows you how special the Washington Nationals were. That they're the only team in history that took down two different teams that won over 105 games, the Astros 107, the Dodgers 106. Just how impressive was this run by the Washington Nationals? Tom Boswell, the Washington Post, wrote they're the most uh, uh, biggest upset in the history of baseball. And when you consider their path, that they were 19-31. and 31. Look, on opening day, we said uh, their offense is as good as anybody. The rotation's as good as anybody. And I thought with the additions of Kyle Bearclaw and Trevor Rosenthal, the bullpen was going to be good. Obviously, the bullpen threatened to mess up everything. When they were 19 and 31, uh, it, w- it went back to the bullpen. The bullpen impacted the rotation. The bullpen impacted the offense. And even the best, the best reliever, Sean Doolittle, I mean, he was overworked in the first half of the season because Davey Martinez was in a position like, I got to get five outs out of him, though. I got to get six outs. We can only do that so many times. So for them to hang together, that says so much about Davey Martinez. And then in the playoffs, just say, okay, we're going to do what the Red Sox did in, in, in 18 and the Astros did in 17. We're just going to use the best pitchers. And I don't, they're not going to have designations. It's next man up. And they, you know, and to go from 19 and 31 to finish to get in. Three down in the wild card game, three runs down, three runs down in the deciding game of the division series. It's pretty amazing. 
You know, we try and put a number and on. And also, it. let me just say, AJ Hinch said at one point during the uh, last weekend, I think he said, "Look, this is not some cute little wild card team making it to the World Series. These guys are good. You take the top six in their lineup; they match up man for man with any." lineup in baseball the top three in the rotation are as good as any and they figured out something that worked in the bullpen when you have a lineup that has Trey Turner and Adam Eaton at the top there's two very annoying guys that can run can get on base and then you put one of those guys on base and you have Rendon who is one of the five six seven best players in baseball and Juan Soto who is incredible an incredible talent um you you are putting stress on a pitcher yeah, it's a magical run, and and I want to use the word magical because we we try and put a number, we try and put an analytic on everything that happens in baseball. We want to have, we want to know why everything happens in this game. And Richard, that's the one thing you can't put an analytic on it. You can't figure it out with Statcast. There's just something about having that magic, and when a team has it, you're not going to beat them. Well, Will Harris is getting roasted because in the seventh inning, uh, A.J. brought him in to face Howie Kendrick. And this, A.J., Will Harris had been the high leverage guy, their most consistent reliever. And he threw a slider, a curveball, a breaking ball of some kind, down and away. It was on the low and outside corner of the strike zone. And Howie Kendrick went the other way, clanged it off the foul pole. That shouldn't happen. I mean, that... Will made the pitch he wanted to make. Now, I think after the game when he was so distraught, I don't know that if he'd gone and looked at the pitch, but Robinson Chirino said that pitch was where we wanted it to be. I mean, you can argue maybe an inch more out of the strike zone, whatever. Howie Kendrick, there is a time where you have to say, that guy did a better, did a better job, did an amazing job. And, and for, him to, for Howie to hit it off the, the foul pole says, there was something going on with this team. Yeah, and you're just so happy when you start talking about the names on the team. You know, they have a bunch of XAs. Even Chip Hale is going to join us later in the program today, the bench coach. And just the net, Howie Kendrick, Max Scherzer, Strasburg, these veteran guys who have grinded it out. And let's face it, some of these guys have seen some pretty bad defeats in their career. And that's one of the reasons I think a lot of people in baseball are so happy for them. I agree with you. And uh, I remember I would, after these, you know, since opening day 2012 when Bryce Harper arrived, I think the the Nationals had won the most regular season games in baseball. They may be second to the Dodgers, but they were right there. They just hadn't had any success in October. And um, so, I mean, you know, I lived in Washington for 16 years, and it's hard for me to get my mind around the fact that they have a team because they've gone 33 years without one. And to have a team with that beautiful ballpark and what that ballpark's done to this area south of the U.S. Capitol building. I mean, it's a hot area now. And to see all those people doing that baby shark thing, it was it was cool. This doesn't happen that often when a team has a city in the palm of its hand. And it was a mutual love affair. I mean, the, the amount of merchandise sold and how much people were into it, it was very, very sweet. But, but there are very – somebody told me this is spring training when I was in their clubhouse. Look at the guys we added. We added Anibal Sanchez, Kurt Suzuki, Jan Gomes, Brian Dozier, might have been a couple others, to go with Ryan Zimmerman, Howie Kendrick, Max Scherzer. And the point he was making was, this is a very mature clubhouse. This is what you want. So when you're 19 and 31, 
What's Max Scherzer going to do? What's Howie Kendrick going to do? They're going to prepare to play the next day, and they're going to play their butts off, and they're not, they're, their approach is not going to change. And that weathers the storm for you. But they're the real deal. I mean, it's not fluke. Trey Turner is a great player. I mean, and uh, Anthony Rendon's one of the five, six, seven best players in the game. And Juan Soto, it's hard to believe he's 21. And tomorrow, since you lived in D.C., you'll understand this. They're going to have the parade tomorrow on Saturday, and they're going to go through the parade route. We'll go through the monuments. How cool is that going to be? Yeah, I was there. I was covering the Redskins and when they won it in January of 92, and uh, the the, the uh, celebration was in the, on the, in the shadow of the Washington Monument, and there were people far as far as you could see. Just uh, – it doesn't happen that much, and what you know, people get people around the country. I think get Washington wrong. They think Washington's what they see on TV. Washington's a, a city where people care deeply about sports, and uh, I mean the scene when the Caps won in the Stanley Cup two years ago outside the arena, all those people, and the the celebration of Alexander Ovechkin taking the taking the the Stanley Cup into the fountains at Georgetown and all that. Uh, it was pretty good, and and you can build on that. You know they got a, they got a lot of decisions to make in the off season, but man, was there has there been joy in the nation's capital? Just so happy for this team. And to kind of steer this away from baseball, because obviously we know the issues that happened with Brandon Taubman being fired by the Houston Astros, Major League Baseball coming in. They were absolutely livid how this went down after the celebration of the ALCS, that they brought in their own investigators. Taubman gets fired. We haven't heard much since. And obviously, baseball wanted to get back to the World Series. You want what? You want the Nationals to have their time. You want them to have the parade. They're going to go to the White House. What else do you think is going to happen, though, between Major League Baseball and the Houston, Houston Astros? Because they, you know, the word was that you know, they were livid about how this went down. Well, you would hope there'd be some self-reflection. You know, you would hope that the, the president of baseball operations, Jeff Luno, would say, okay, is there a problem with our culture? Is there a problem with the way we treat people? Uh, all of those things that you just have to ask. And I think the way that, you know, there were two crimes here. The first crime was the incident. The second one was the organization's response, which got worse by the hour. You, this would have been no story had they uh, treated it seriously at the beginning. They declined to comment. Then they released a statement that was full, filled with lies. And in a social media age, um, you're going to know. I mean, it was in 10 minutes. So people were saying, wait a minute. I was there. The way Stephanie Epstein SI reported it was exactly the way it happened. And I don't know what you thought you could get away with. Maybe they just took Brandon Tobin's word for it. And the other part of it is you made the manager, A.J. Hinch, go out and be the face of the franchise. That shouldn't happen. Your owner should be talking. Your general manager should be talking. Uh, you shouldn't make him the only conscience in the organization. So um, what what happens next? Does anybody else get fired? If they fire members of the communications department, I wouldn't, I would not like that because, you know, you are, who does Donald Trump's communications? Donald Trump does. You, you, the, the people at the top are shaping the message that got out. I, it, that's my impression of it. And um, you just have to have a, a conversation like, and try to understand where you screwed it up. Jeff Luno had a news conference in Washington and just said, we were wrong, period. But I hope they've tried to take a step back and say, okay, 
why were we wrong? What did we do wrong? And how in the world did we go from having a, a member of the front office misbehaving to attacking a member of the media? And they, I mean, I think, I mean, judging what, by what Jeff Luno said, I think he understands some of that. Will baseball uh, do additional punishment? I don't know. You could tell by Commissioner Manfred kept making the point. Well, that guy is an employee of the Houston Astros. In other words, you guys have to do the right thing. Yeah, because when Jeffrey Luno said, we all saw that first press release, that basically implicated everybody in the organization. Right. And if you're going to do that, you might want to Google Stephanie Epstein's name. Let's see. What is she? Is she reliable? Ten years at Sports Illustrated, has won awards, has a high visibility, high credibility. So the idea that you would make something up and that you would make something up in which there were multiple eyewitnesses to it. Uh, and, you know, the, you know, there was a reporter from the Houston, two reporters from the Houston Chronicle saw it and just said within an instant, that's not what happened. The way she described it was what we saw. It's, uh, wow. I, I mean, I heard somebody say years from now, they're going to be uh, grad school classes on uh, crisis management, and this is going to be a case study in how not to do crisis management. Richard, it's always an honor to have you on the program. We really appreciate it, and hopefully we'll see you down at the winter meetings in San Diego. Okay, thanks. We want to thank Luis Gonzalez, Chip Hale, Ray Fossey, and Richard Justice. Thank you for listening to A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend right here on A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.